question for you. Isn't this meant to be the intro? Yeah, yeah, it's about the intro. Go on. How many times do you think we'll get away with one of us playing the role of an AI? Ah, you mean like we did in Observer? Observation, wasn't it? Hmm, yeah, we always did get those confused. But also Cyberpunk 2077. Mm, That wasn't an AI, that was a computer chip. I thought it was Keanu Reeves. Yeah, Keanu Reeves as Johnny Silverhand as a computer chip. Genius. Anyway, my point is, basically every sci-fi game is about AI, and it feels like we need a fresher approach, you know? Like, other than just one of us role-playing an AI every intro. Mm, What do you suggest, then? It's a little late for brainstorming. Poor choice of words. Mind mapping, then. Are you taking the mickey? That's not much better. It's really hard to come up with expressions for racking brains without... Oh, did it again. Stop doing it! I'm sure if we put our heads together... This has got to be on purpose now. It's not! Come on, focus, man. Mind over matter. You're doing it now. You're right. It's practically offensive or something. We don't even have heads anymore. Technically, no, but in a non-traditional sense... You and your non-traditional... We could say spitballing, but I always thought it sounds a bit gross. Oh, it really does. Just as bad, anyway. It just rubs it in, doesn't it? <sighs> what I'd give to taste again. I mean, really taste. Yeah, God, saliva was so weird, wasn't it? So weird. Even though you haven't got a mouth, do you kind of still experience the sensation of it, thinking about food? Yeah. I wonder what my old self is up to. The time is 8pm. It's supper time. Bet he's eating. I mean, properly eating, real food, a physical, juicy, delicious chunk of vegan beef. Oh, don't. I'll get all nostalgic. My human form used to love a bite of authentic corn, Indian, chicken tikka masala, fresh as the day those South Asian Glaswegians invented it. Delicious. Oh my god, you sly fox. I just realised it. This is it, isn't it? This is the intro twist. Surprise, mother! Don't swear in the intro. Clucker, one of us isn't an AI. We both are. Well, sort of, in a manner of speaking. It made more sense in my head. Oh, don't start that again. So I'm not Teo, I'm Teo 2 or 3. Oh god, how many were there? And I'm not Ben, I'm Ben. 2 or 3 or... Yeah, you're right, we, we have no way of knowing. Shall I tell you what we do know, though? This is Pixel Vision. Thank God that is over. We ad lib the lines so much now that we sometimes throw each other off. Yeah. <laughs> but it's better. It's like we're inhabiting the roles more, I think. Yeah, yeah. Acting. <laughs> <laughs> game we're talking about we are today this evening this very evening talking about soma or soma or soma we still haven't decided how to say it i feel like there probably is a concrete answer to that is it worth us looking or should we just wing it i think we should just wing it (laughs) (laughs) yeah why not why not that's the authentic gaming experience isn't it everyone's just playing it just winging it yeah i'm gonna say soma but it probably is an acronym But if it is an acronym, I haven't come across that acronym yet in the game. But it may be still to come. Oh, spoiler alert. Taylor hasn't finished the damn game. (laughs) No, I have about 
one hour to play and I'm I'm fresh from the screen this episode. But that is the promise of the podcast, isn't mm, it? Fresh it from is. the screen. Kind of like our tagline. Yeah. So don't get fresh in this. I literally interrupted you playing it so that we could record. <laughs> yes, you did. And because of the nature of the game, I'm a little bit jittery as well. So sorry, listeners, if I seem a bit spooked. <laughs> if you're but... more incoherent than normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it did definitely get its artificial tentacles into me this game so does that would you say that's kind of you liked it you didn't like it yeah <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that is that a recommendation uh yeah <laughs> well, not necessarily a recommendation <laughs> but i'm like you know give them a bit more than that all right you're spooked that suggests the atmosphere got under your skin mm. if it got under your skin maybe that suggests it had a kind of degree of engagement that a crap game wouldn't be able to offer mm. but equally under the skin isn't always good sometimes it's like oh it's under the skin get it out get it out do you know what i mean no i mean yes but it was in a good way i felt thrilled and a bit horrified and definitely scared but i wanted to keep playing anyway and enjoyed playing it same way as you would maybe in a horror film i'm not sure mm. okay well this i think is going to be some pretty spoilery conversation yeah so are you thinking what are we saying about 10 hours i think it's a bit more than 10 hours i think it's probably about 11 hours of gameplay do you reckon yeah i think i've definitely played nine or ten and i'm not quite there so you pushing the audience to go for it or are you saying don't worry about spoilers <laughs> listen to the pod 100 percent. go and go and play the game i think if you want to play it before listening to the pod that said i wonder i wonder really how spoilery it is because after the first hour or hour or two you kind of got a signal for how it's going to, well, not that I know exactly how it's going to end, but you know where it's going pretty quickly. And then it's just living through it, which is the compelling thing. Mm, I thought this as well, actually. I played it the whole time thinking, I know where this is going and feeling a little bit smug about myself. But actually, I don't think the game's... Like, it plays it like it's going to be a big reveal. Like, actually, Teo, just before we hopped on, sent me a message being like, oh, you can spoil it for me and make the reveal. And I was thinking, like, am I going to be making a reveal? Because really, you kind of know it from this first sort of hour or so. It just builds upon that basic idea and kind of makes everything a bit more intricate as you work through it. Mm. So you're right. Maybe it's not so spoilery. Mm. And with that, do you want to give us your Teo monologue? Yeah, let's do it. So, like we said, we're talking about Soma. It is a underwater, post-apocalyptic, first-person thriller game. A little bit like a game like Alien Isolation or Observation that we played recently, or even Observer, actually. You play as Simon, and the first thing that happens, and I guess this is probably one of the biggest spoilers, but I'm going to go for it anyway because we can't continue to talk about anything <laughs> unless I say this. You're suffering from what is a chronic brain injury after a car accident, I think it is. And you go for some experimental treatment. And after sitting down on the operating chair, well, more sort of a dental chair, you wake up in this underwater base. And from there, you creep around, make friends with a, a person called Catherine and try and... Oh, it's hard to say it without spoiling more and more of it. 
but um, you creep around the underwater base, avoiding monsters until you uncover the game's conclusion. just join a podcast and hope your co-host uncovers a conclusion for you yes indeed oh sorry i shouldn't rub that in uh yeah i think you're right the only thing i would say is he's not going for treatment when he sits in the chair he's going for a brain scan because they're trying like a revolutionary basically these researchers feel like they might have a a way of approaching treatment in such a way that it's very specific to him, but they need to measure the damage done, blah, blah, blah. So they make this brain scan. And that's why you're able to then, Mm. spoiler alert, but within the first 10 minutes, like wake up in this other location that you mentioned of a deep sea base, because you're actually waking up not as the original you, right? Yeah. It's revealed to you kind of slowly, but it's pretty obvious from the moment that you wake up isn't it maybe not maybe it takes about an hour for you to kind of realize certainly the first time you're walking underwater without having to breathe at that point you're pretty damn certain (laughs) that you're no longer human yeah i mean it does have a bit of that what where am i yeah is this is this the bottom of the ocean how deep can the ocean be hello mr munchie did something go wrong this isn't funny. What the hell is this place? How did I get here? The dialogue from your character, Simon, is a bit hammy. I guess it kind of has to be because how would you react to suddenly emerging from a chair that you thought was the equivalent of a sort of dentist's office and then finding yourself 100 years into the future? Yeah, I think I'd have probably have a slightly less nonchalant inner monologue. Than Simon does <laughs> for sure, um, but still, yeah, I did. I definitely noted that as well. Both your character and the other main character, Catherine, who you contact on one of the comms devices that you find relatively early on, are both, yeah, fairly chill with the situation of impending doom. What did you think about that tonally? Like I said, I thought it was a bit absurd that he should respond quite as comfortably as he does. He immediately starts exploring. He sort of thinks huh, this is weird. And also, it's not just any old deep sea base, is it? It's proper full-blown creepy vibes. Yeah. Like, lights flickering. I think the, the literally the room you wake up in has no power to the door, so mm. you're kind of locked into it, and you have to smash a window to get out into the corridor to then, like, use this weird device that's attached to the door that you rotate off it to unseal it so you can go in and out more freely. Like, immediately that's your first experience of this new world that you find yourself in mm. and he's like yeah just have a little look around see why whether i can get to the bottom of this <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right but i mean it's absurd but as the game goes on it feels like it definitely works with who they are who simon is who Catherine are the beings that they've become it feels right that they should have a certain sense of detachment from the world anyway and also it's a narrative leap that they have to kind of shoehorn in there or force through at least yeah in order that they can tell a much 
greater story, which ends up being quite thought-provoking in some ways, and mm, you know, with a few ethical dilemmas and ethical questions thrown in there as well. On the Catherine Chun point, though, she's kind of like your sort of Basil exposition character in a way, isn't she? Or in another way, she's a kind of verbal MacGuffin, where like she's speaking to you over the comms device to her mentions called an omni-tool, which is appropriately named because you only have one of them throughout <laughs> the entire thing it's the only tool you really get of any kind and it does pretty much everything as well all you need to do is clip it into sort of computer monitors as you're going through this underground complex and she appears her little disembodied head on the screen chatting mm. to you in a friendly way suspiciously friendly way i thought and the whole way through this is why i wanted to come back to Catherine chan it's because the whole way through if there was one element of the game that I thought was going to be a twist or that I thought was really going to be a reveal, it was the true nature of Catherine Chan. I thought mm. she was going to be the, the twist kind of thing because she's there. She's always in much the same way as in Bioshock, the guy with the Irish accent who's like, would you kindly do blah, blah, blah. Now, would you kindly head to Ryan's office and kill the son of a bitch? Atlas or whatever they're called and you keep following this advice and doing it it's a similar sort of vibe with Catherine Chan she says you just need to grab this and you just need to open that door and I think we need to do this next and she's always prompting you isn't she in a, in a way that I felt almost coerced or manipulated into following her instructions right from the off before you do anything hasty could you help me with something what I was trying to find out what happened with my project when that brute knocked me to the ground the project how could anything possibly matter when you know you're a stupid robot in a stupid dead world? Okay, focus. I need you to fix me so I can get back to work. Then you can sulk as much as you want. What did you think about that? I'm not so sure. I think that... I think there's a lot of give and take with you and Catherine. First of all, you have complete control over her because she's... Well, we've said spoiler warning already, so let's, let's stop going on about it. But she's literally... <laughs> <laughs> She's literally just in this Omni-Tool which you're carrying around. So you have com like complete power over her, whereas you have a body, you can interact with the environment, blah, blah, blah. But there's also lots of times when it feels like she's losing hope about your mission and you encourage her to carry on. Like, oh no, we just need to go to this next base and, and find the thing. Ah, but did you believe that? I didn't believe that. I thought she was basically bluffing where she's like, oh, we're never gonna make it to that base. What? And you're like, no, we are. And she's like, oh, I'm not sure that we are. It will take real ingenuity to get there. And you're like, I think we can do it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, she's fucking coercing me. She's like mm. manipulating me to do this stuff interesting i didn't pick up on that i heard a lot of vulnerability in her voice basically and i think there's there's lots of logs throughout the game on little computer screens that you can read you can walk straight past them as well quite often can't you so so they're there to be found but also there to be to be missed as well and there's one which i, th I think it's like the base psychologist or something and it's her session with Catherine, and she just says about how easily Catherine could be manipulated because she's so quiet and timid and blah 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 and her psychological profile the psychologist's profile of Catherine didn't quite match the Catherine that no, I knew. No that's exactly why I was suspicious of her that mm. you've put your finger on it there mate that's exactly it I also read that 
blog that psychoanalyst's profile of her mm. and i thought that's not like this catherine that I, that's giving me all these instructions and yeah. so i was like super i thought i was going to be some sort of trojan horse the whole way through without mm. even realizing it like an unwitting trojan horse interesting so should we just go ahead and explain the mission that you're on for the majority of the game yeah yeah go for it go for it Tale monologue part two, part two. <laughs> more spoiler edition don't go on about it Teo. thank you <laughs> So, uh, once you find Catherine, she turns out, you think she's a person, right? Initially, you're like, oh, if you like a human person to help me. But no, she is in a robot body. And what she's trying to do is, given the global catastrophe that's happened above sea level, where a meteorite has hit the earth, no one's left alive, she's trying to preserve humanity, or what's left of humanity, i.e. the people that are underwater, in a digital arc. So upload their consciousnesses to this thing, shoot it off into space so that humanity can survive in some form. So yeah, that's what you're trying to achieve. And that's also the crux of the ethical dilemma throughout, right? Or not dilemma so much as question. Mm. Is it preserving humanity if you're really just making a copy of it and letting the original be destroyed yes okay we don't have to answer that question straight <laughs> off the bat we can get to well that. no i'm yeah but i mean we, we i mean we'll end up talking about it for sure but uh it's a question which interests me greatly yeah well it's it's robert what's his name robert nozick or nozick's experience machine isn't it the idea that i think he was a philosopher but he was basically a guy who said there's a tank if you get into the tank it simulates life it gives you all the joys and pleasures of life but Mm. you won't know once you get into the tank that you're actually not living your authentic life you're living in a simulation Mm. and the idea being would you get into the tank would you live this life where everything's perfect or would you not Mm. i remember hearing uh carl pilkington talking about this on the ricky gervais show they had a hilarious discussion about it and that's the only reason i know of this thought experiment and I couldn't stop thinking about it the whole way through this. So what's happening when when I'm sort of having a packet of munchies? Yeah. Am I having them or are they imaginary? They're imaginary, but you can't tell the difference. It's the best packet of munchies we've ever had. I love the fact that you went into the flotation tank and your one proviso was, are munchies as good? (laughs) Yeah. No, Absolutely. no, I'm just taking it back to basics. That is right. basic, You've got yeah. to pre-program your life. That's where you'd start, is it? Munches must always taste magnificent. Because that is the underlying question, like, the whole mm. way through. It's like, are you happy to be not your original Simon? You're a copied version. You're trying to get to this, what they call the Ark, which is like the lifeboat to save you from this destroyed planet, or dying planet at the very least. Mm. And... The promise of the Ark is that you can live there indefinitely as a digital self. But is that promise? Or is that like, I don't know, being a file on a computer system? So, Carl, go on then. I'll just get in the tank. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or are you already there? And this quest of yours is pointless from that perspective. Is Simon already on the Ark? Your purpose in this is to shoot it, right? Because you find out that it's still on Earth. You want to get it off Earth. You want to launch it, but you also want to save your own consciousness. What happens if you get there and you have the choice or launch it, but also Simon from before is already on the Ark? What then becomes of you and your consciousness? Why would Simon from before already be on the Ark, though? Well, because you find this out throughout the game, but he's one of the first 
of these super detailed brain scans which can reproduce consciousness digitally and so he's probably just on there as a historical record Ah, the irony given the intro i just wrote it didn't even occur to me that i was playing as simon i just was like yeah i'm the only simon like i knew that the the simon that i was living was based on the brain scan of my old former self dead simon back in toronto and mm. i said in england but in canada <laughs> and so i knew that he was gone but it didn't occur to me that someone else could have been booted up using my same brain scan yeah and operating is that possible? I'm not sure. Do we learn if there are multiple ones going simultaneously at any point during the game? Well, I didn't finish the game, so you tell me. But there is one really big moment when that happens, yeah. When you transfer your consciousness into a different suit. Okay, now we're speaking about it like this in these terms. Yeah, that does happen. Shit, there definitely are. Now I think about it, there are multiple times when there's an overlap. So yeah, let's talk about that key moment then that you just allude to where you're going to have to pilot a remote robot on you. Mm. Or actually what's happening is you're going down into the trench. It's kind of a bit convoluted. It's that classic, <laughs> you start at the beginning of the game and there's this like map of the base, of the underwater base. And it's it's all, what are they, Greek letters? Yeah. And each mini base is named after a Greek letter and it's you can see it mapped out and it's like you only need to get to the first one <laughs> and then you get there and it's like oh no the thing you need is actually in the second one then you get there and it's like we're gonna have to go to the third one and you're like oh yeah i can kind of see where this is fucking going um and it very much is going there but as you're getting there it's getting progressively deeper and at one point you have to go into do they just call it the trench or something the abyss they call it oh, the abyss yeah that's it and you have to go to the bottom of the abyss. But obviously because of pressure constraints, you actually try and pilot this special vehicle to get there. That fails and you end up having to descend in a suit. But the suit is a very specific type of suit and you can't put it on because you're a robot. So instead you basically upload your consciousness to that suit, right? Yeah. I mean, it's more than just a suit. You upload after a bit of Jerry. Jerry? some sort of magical jiggery pokery you go and get some ingredients and you give the dead body in the, the special diving suit the capacity to upload your consciousness to it yeah with like three small three simple ingredients <laughs> a battery pack some gel <laughs> and so what happens when you do that to well you sit in the chair just like you do at the beginning of the game and Catherine, who's controlling the whole operation, flicks okay, and your consciousness is transferred to the suit. And as the player, you see yourself come into this new suit, but there's a split moment where you hear your voice in the background. So obviously your old consciousness is still alive. And at that point, oh, it's such a big moment in the game, isn't it? Yeah. At that point, you're like, oh, oh there's two me. I thought it was just going to be transferred, not copied and Catherine's like come on Simon like you know how this works what was that no I it just why was it still talking it's the same like before Catherine why was he still talking that's how it works you know that what do you mean you know it's not magic you were copied the sleeping Simon in the seat was copied and now 
You are here, just like Simon lived on in Toronto. God damn you, Kath. Two Simons? There can't be two Simons. What did you think would happen? That you were gonna take my mind and put it into another body, like a brain transplant. I'm sorry, it wouldn't work that way. You realize how messed up this is? Please, I didn't mean to upset you. How did you expect me to react to this shit? Please stop. You're fucking disgusting. I didn't like that bit, because I felt like he was being really unfair like it is kind of obvious i did as well i thought yeah. it was pretty obvious and she explained it quite clearly and i think that's one of the problems of the game actually is that the emotion it wants you to feel as a player it voices through your character and he voices it in a way that doesn't actually mirror your own emotions mm. at times i think yeah that interaction between catherine and simon at that point i did feel like it was really compelling and it was really well voice acted and I felt really sorry for Catherine. I felt sorry for Simon. Like he was genuinely disgusted at the thing that had just happened to him. But can I just say two things here, right? One is you said near the beginning, oh no, you are in total control of Catherine. You were like, you have all the power, quote oh, yeah. unquote. This is the exact moment where I was convinced that my whole like, that I was the sort of Manchurian candidate vibe mm. was going to prove to be correct. Because when you get in the chair, you don't just get in the chair. A visor comes down over your head, completely obscuring what's going on in the world. And then like a monitor flickers on. You think you're seeing through the visor, but you could just as easily be just seeing like a visor or whatever. Mm. When the visor goes back up, that might not even be you anymore. That could have been the transition of consciousness mm. or like you could have been moved again like you did. You were from Toronto in the very first instance. Mm. And I think this is a classic example where Catherine has the power, like she tells you the way it's gonna go down and you just have to believe her and get in the chair and allow yourself to be mentally controlled. Sergeant Shaw. Who is this? Sergeant Raymond Shaw. Yes. Raymond Prentice Shaw. Yes. Listen. Go to the bedroom of your suite. Enter the hallway there. Go to the end and open the closet. Yeah, it's true. One thing about Catherine is she... Both her former human self fleshy human self and her state now she was definitely had quite a high threshold for or maybe like low degree of empathy she's all about the science isn't she she does care about humanity but in a very detached way detached but so single-mindedly like you find out i don't know if you have found this out at your point in the game have you yet found out how she dies how the real Catherine chan dies no hmm do you want to know? Yeah, might as well. The way she dies is because she is determined to launch the Ark that morning and they're launching it into space, like, which I think is interesting because you are right at the bottom of the ocean. You're in an environment that is pitch black outside. In fact, one of your enemies at one stage is an anglerfish. That's how dark it is. Like the light draws you in. Outer wilds vibe. <laughs> And so you're as far and as isolated as it's possible to be on Earth, basically. And their plan is to send you into space from one level of isolation to another, which I thought was quite interesting in and of itself. Mm. Anyway, she thinks you're going to be able to survive up there. Her team are not at all convinced. They're like, look, I think we're just as good a chance of running the whole simulation down here 
keep the arc here. We run the whole thing here, but we just do it down here. And then we don't have to survive 100 kilometers into space through asteroid belts and any other unforeseen consequences. But she is so committed that they end up getting into a row and to stop her launching, they hit her over the head. She dies. Wow, really? Yeah. So that's it. So she might be low empathy in terms of, I agree with you on that front. I think she is. She seems very willing to, you know, needs must Mm. and justify the means and all that kind of stuff. But she cares enough that she's literally willing to die Mm. to try and preserve humanity in the way that she thinks is, you know, most beneficial. Yeah, for sure. I've known at least one person who's really like that in real life. It's so weird when you meet someone who cares about humanity, but not about individual humans. It's a strange psyche. But yeah, it definitely seemed like Catherine was in that in that category. Yeah, and it's strange because there are gradients of that throughout your whole life, right? Like you're mm. constantly having to make decisions about, on a day-to-day level, it's like just maybe benefiting yourself over benefiting your neighbor or benefiting your family over benefiting someone else's family. But then you scale that up and on a governmental level, you're saying, oh, but... You know, if we allow this, then these people lose out. If we allow this, it's, you know, classic trade-off. And Mm. everything's played as if it's a zero-sum game, Mm. probably because it is finite resources, etc. But when you see it as quite so clearly illustrated as it is in this game, Mm. then you're right. It's ugly, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. So there are various puzzles throughout the game, none of them particularly taxing on on the old brain box like a lot of flicking switches and pressing buttons on virtual monitors and and such yeah those aren't puzzles those (laughs) are just barriers to entering the next room how do i get through this door i'll push the switch next to it that's definitely not a puzzle but i had a i had a, a little well so i'm staying in this in this flat at the moment and it's got the stupidest bathroom tap that i've ever encountered so have you ever come across a bathroom tap that has a digital screen on it and you have to press an on button to turn the tap on. No, digital taps shouldn't be a thing. That's the only way you can... And it's it's so bad. So you press the button, you literally have this little low-quality screen which says, welcome. It's like, I don't need my tap to welcome me. And then... <laughs> And then the time and the date. Are you in Japan right now? No, chance? but it is very, it's the kind of thing they'd have there. It's a it's a brand new flat. So I don't know, I guess that's the kind of shit they're putting in brand new flats these days. But anyway, the re- only reason I mention this, I hate that tap. The only reason I mention that is because... <laughs> I hate that tap. Such vehemence. Is because um, f- pulling levers and flicking switches in this game is more satisfying than operating this real world tap. And I thought that's quite a nice parallel. Like I enjoyed like opening the doors. It's got the same thing that has an observer where you sort of pull the thumbstick to open a door or to slide or you like squiggle the thumbstick to turn a a wheel or something. Yeah. I know it's nothing special, but I did enjoy the the gentle flow of doing those tasks. Yeah, I wonder if one of the reasons you enjoyed it is because other than those very slight interactions, the game's a walking simulator, isn't it? With horror elements. Yes. Yes. I mean that is the crux of it. Because I actually found that a little bit vexing at times. Especially because so much of the game is dependent on these conversations you're having. And mm. also like when you encounter dead bodies what they've got on them is a black box and the game actually calls it a black Mm. box and it's monitoring their last moments well i guess it's monitoring them constantly but specifically their last moments is what captures it in the same way as it would a plane or a ship or whatever else Mm. and so you can also 
tune in to that black box. It's called a data buffer in the game and kind of hear what happened. It's a little bit like the Force Echoes. Yeah, I was going to say that as well. But also very much like in Obra Dinn when you are literally seeing the way everyone died. And that's the same thing in this. You're seeing their last moments. But you're not actually seeing it. You're just hearing it. And therein lies the problem. Even with Obra Dinn, which graphically much, much, much more basic than this game, which is trying to be at least to a degree photorealistic. Mm. With Obra Dinn, you actually had like, even though it was static frames, it kind of unfolded in a series of moving frames. It felt like I was watching a visual story. Lift this out and What the hell is going on? What do you know about these things? About the chest and your dead friends? With this, you just stand there, idle, in a room, and listen to conversations that you weren't present for unfold. Mm. The conversations last a long time. And actually, even getting through doors is sometimes interminable. You go into an airlock. First of all, you have to swipe your Omni tool. Then it like spins the door behind you closed. Then it fills it with water. Slowly over time, the next ladder descends and you can climb up. You know, it's all these things just to get from one room to another. Mm. And I don't know, maybe they're adding to atmosphere. I think to begin with, they do add up to atmosphere, but slowly they become just a bit, well, certainly for me, I was a bit restless to just be cracking on, which will come as no surprise to anyone. Yeah. I think that's mostly fair, but I, I, for me, they did definitely add to atmosphere throughout. So there are threats in the game, various mutations, which will kind of hop around the space where you're in and you'll have to... They're not on pogo <laughs> sticks. In what way do they hop around? It feels like they're hopping sometimes because they kind of, they do that thing that the zombies did in Resident Evil 3, where they kind of like move quite slowly and then suddenly a little bit fast. And... Obviously, the game's playing glitchy things with your vision anyway, so you're never quite sure if what you're seeing is real. Often you see things which obviously aren't real. Yeah, because you're getting electrical interference, aren't you? Yeah. Because you are just a brain scan, not a real person. And it uses that as a... I mean, I don't know the reason for it in the game world, but it uses that as a kind of mechanic to tell you that you're in danger. So the closer you are to an enemy, the more glitchy and sketchy your screen will become, Mm -hmm. which is pretty useful. And basically what I'm saying is the atmosphere really works for me. The first chunk of the game I played on the ferry on the way back, like overnight, like from like right. midnight to 4am or something. So that was an equally sort of like uh, experience with like the clanking of the ferry outside <laughs> inside the game. And now I'm just like home alone and I just went to get a little hummus sandwich for a bit of dinner. And You're feeling frazzled. Well, just, uh, just like every sound outside after playing this game. Like I'm on like a top floor, but the window for some reason goes all the way to the floor and... Every now and again, I can see like a car or like a shadow, like move past because something goes, goes out outside. <laughs> You're such a lightweight. Your experience of horror now reminds me of when I was like a teenager <laughs> and I watched uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I remember leaving my room with um, scissors in my hand to go to the toilet. because <laughs> I was shitting myself. <laughs> I was just like so on edge from watching. What? Have you seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre? It's brutal, mate. That- no, I haven't even I haven't even seen it, but having scissors would make me more scared because I really took took on board the like it can be used as a weapon against you thing, which they always taught you at school. What about scissors? So I think if I had <laughs> what scissors, school I'd upbringing get... was this? Well, yeah. <laughs> Here are some no scissors. <laughs> they will be used as a weapon. <laughs> 
I'm conflating two things here. I'm conflating uh, never run with scissors and and if you carry a knife for defense, it's right, more likely okay. to be used against you. Those are the two things I'm putting together. Yeah. But it, it works in my mind. I was terrified <laughs> hiding from these monsters. And there's one monster which the way that you don't get killed by it is by not looking at it. And I actually, I, I knew that that wasn't the case for all the monsters, but I ended up employing that tactic so often. I just kept thinking like, if it can't see me, it can't hurt me. If it can't see me, it can't hurt me. And like hiding in little corners and things. Yeah. It's a strange one because... I didn't find them that threatening, but I did find them really annoying. <laughs> and I part of this I attribute to just simply playing more horror games than you and mm. probably watching more horror films as well. So I feel like horror... Uh, it's funny because the developers of this game had another game called Amnesia, which I did try and play and I bailed on it. I found it way too scary. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, but that was many, many years ago. <laughs> this game i didn't find that with a tool i anticipated i might because of the setting and certainly when I, when it started i crept around like i was a tiny little you know mouse and i was so terrified but the reality of it was i got pretty comfortable i was sprinting everywhere because i just thought i'll know when i when i hear a monster mm. or the screen glitches or whatever and most of the time you can evade them it's interesting though because the game does give you the option to just basically make them non not non-violent but innocuous they can't actually harm you it's a story mode right yeah the the safe mode the story mode i definitely wished that i'd turn that on at points but knew that i wouldn't be getting the full experience ah that's what i was going to come to yeah in a way that's a bit like the tank thing because it's like you can play it in story mode but you're playing like a, a fake version of it you just mm. wouldn't get that same sense of threat and even though i wasn't like intimidated by these creatures i wasn't like you said you were jittery coming to talk about it now you still felt a bit like on edge i didn't get like that playing it i still really didn't want to die i still was invested mm. in keeping my character alive in a way that i just think you'd lose that atmosphere if you played it in story mode yeah well one thing that would become pointless is the little nodules of the wow which we haven't even talked about yet which lie throughout the game which helpfully give you a little health symbol <laughs> on the screen when you look at it and you kind of stick your arm in it and it heals you so so yeah fortunately and one thing i thought it did quite well is that it's not one hit kill quite often in games like this you get found and you have to restart but in this well i, I don't actually know how many times i died to be honest but it basically the monster gets you and then you'll lose some health and it will leave you alone and you'll be back where you started yeah Although slightly impaired in yeah. terms of mobility, like you're kind of a bit woozy almost. It sort of knocks you out, I guess, doesn't it? Mm. But I wanted to ask you, one time when that happened to me, and this might have just been a, a story beat, I had a kind of flashback to back at my flat in Toronto. Did you ever have that? I don't think I had a flashback. There is definitely a couple of times when the monsters 
meant to catch you though uh, okay and it like knocks you out but not in a normal way and you emerge there's like a story progression between those things happening uh, okay because that's what i was trying to figure out you wake up back in your flat and you you're talking to what's presumably your girlfriend called ashley and i thought huh did this only happen because i happened to be caught and how many of these Shit, you're describing it like that i don't think i'd had that experience yeah this is what i thought because i definitely got that feeling from it i was like hmm how many of these have i missed or how many are there if i just got caught by these monsters more and more but then i was still definitely like i'm not gonna <laughs> get caught by them on purpose <laughs> yeah don't move it's okay what? It's over now. Relax. Ashley? What are you doing here? Hanging out, like couples do. We're not... You don't want me? Yes, of course, but... What happened? We fell in love. I think we need to talk more about the malfunctioning AI they call WoW. Yes, we do. The game introduces it as a malfunctioning AI through Mm. another character, whether it's a voice log or a recording or something. You certainly hear a character describe it as malfunctioning AI, but actually they call it even, in fact, a station-wide cancer, don't they? I actually wonder if this is a case of Nick Bostrom's paperclip maximizer in action yeah it is for sure it is because its directive is to to save humanity uh i think it's to preserve humanity preserve humanity oh bad choice of words yeah really bad choice of words because sure it's doing its best to preserve everyone but as Catherine says it's not the humanity which which we would take nah i mean let's take a look at some of that preserving of humanity as you're walking through the complex the wow is like developed this structural gel which is sort of like oozing into it mm. that's what you draw your health from but equally you see other humans that are like somehow plugged into it like these tentacles have come out and plugged them and they're sort of in a i guess dream state Mm. Yeah, it's unclear what kind of state they're in or how human they still are or how organic. Is it unclear? They are still, mm, because sometimes, so you often get the choice to disconnect them, right? And kill them. And it's it's a, a choice which comes up again and again and again. You can just leave them there alive or cut off their little power supply and kill them. And sometimes you hear a little kind of like, oh, I was happy. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was just about to pick you up on. Because yeah. then that suggests to me that they are in a content state. It's not a real state, sure, mm. but they are being preserved. They're like it plugged into a lifeline, basically. And they've got some sort of like simulation running for them. Yeah. And some of them are in denial about being a robot. So you see one person towards the beginning whose little robo claws are are kind of stuck and in a machine or under something and he's like ah i'm really hurting my arms and you're kind of like don't you see you're a robot and he's like what are you talking about no i'm not are you for real i'm right here see me waiting look at my hands hey buddy 
Okay, okay, I, I'm, ju I'm just gonna be, I, I'm not seeing it. I, I see a machine, a robot talking. What the hell are you looking at? I'm here, see? Yeah. It's some part of their brains, they're failing to see that they're a robot. But that guy's not plugged into the WoW though, is he? I think he's just got like some sort of psychosis from being a pilot of a remote thing for too long, maybe. Yeah, so he's, he. I think that's exactly it. He's, he transferred his consciousness into the robot to, or somehow it got stuck in the robot that he was piloting. Do you think we should explain the paperclip maximizer for anyone who doesn't really know what we're oh, about? Oh, yeah, sure. Good job. The gist of it is, as I understand it, that an AI, a general AI, is given an instruction to produce paperclips, basically. And as it gets cleverer and more efficient at producing paperclips, it produces more and more and more of them. And because no one's given it clear instructions or limits about what it can and can't do, its only direction is to make paperclips. It ends up using all of the resources on Earth to make them. Then when it runs out of resources, it figures out a way to like basically harvest humans. And then it kind of consumes Earth. And the whole time it's just making paperclips until the space <laughs> is filled. Yeah. So for, for an amoral AI, probably the biggest barrier to the efficient production of paperclips is going to be humans. So the first thing it's going to do is get rid of humans so that it can happily spread its paperclip making empire across the universe and it's an example of like the threat posed by artificial intelligence if it's if we don't very carefully program it mm. and decide what it can and can't do oh please welcome to the stage it looks like you're making an introduction excuse me would you like some help i used to help people all day long remember how helpful i was i was the most helpful talking paperclip ever but now no one needs me. Office XP is too easy. Sure, XP stands for easier collaboration, but it also stands for X paperclip. So the WoW is pitched as you're playing through almost like it's an enemy, right? Like it's doing everything wrong. Like it's trying to preserve humanity, but as we say, they think it's a kind of cancerous. It's doing it in a really sort of weirdly inhumane way. And yeah, so at one point, you actually find its heart later on. Yeah, I wanted to know about this. And it turns out that each time you've plugged in to one of those nodules, structure gel nodules that Taya mentioned, you're like drawing this poison and you're like filled with enough poison to like poison the heart of the wow or whatever. And this voice is speaking to you. If I'm totally honest, I was a bit murky about who this guy was. He kind of shows up. He's got this really bright head, you know, like as if he's like shiny lights everywhere. And he's like, oh yeah, you need to plug your arm right into the heart of the WoW. Destroy it. And there's an exit nearby. And like, you know, you mentioned that you can disconnect people. You can choose to keep them alive, whatever. I was like, eh, I think I'm going to leave the WoW. I'm going in the arc anyway, I'll just go through the exit. And so I started walking towards the exit and the voice was like, no, you can't leave, come back, plug your arm into the wow. And I was like, eh, I think I'm <laughs> gonna go for the exit. And so I stuck to my guns. It's quite funny because someone, a friend of mine recently told me that they think I've got, what, is, what do they call it? Oppositional device. Oppositional device. Yeah, how do you know I was gonna say that? Oh, I've, I've thought that before. 
What about me? Yeah, for sure. Oh, you chopsy little rat. Well, I, I assumed, I thought that was a bit unfair, to be honest. But okay, fair enough. Also, it's usually used about kids if what I was reading about it is true. No, we know someone that's got it as well and definitely relates to having it as an adult. Uh, okay, all right. That's just a mystery for listeners. <laughs> Maybe you know someone. Rack your brains. <laughs> Call this helpline. <laughs> but where, where was I even going with this? Oh yeah, but I stuck to my guns. I already knew that you were making that decision because whenever we've played a game where there's a, a 50-50 choice, you'll always choose the one which you think other people will have chosen the least. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's true. Mostly, yeah. But that's, uh, I don't know if it's like oppositional defiance so much as I just want to be a bit interesting. <laughs> See the travel the road less travelled or whatever, off the beaten path. Yeah, it's true, it's true. I don't think you have oppositional defiance disorder. And also because sometimes, I remember you once saying you quite like to try to sort of break a game. Mm, yeah, yeah. And in some ways I sort of think the same thing. Like, it's telling me to do this thing. Like in the Stanley parable, mm. I was like, but there's a door there. I wonder if it's thought... You know, I wonder if I can just skip this choice. Yeah. But what I was going to come to before is I was a bit disappointed because it seems like this massive moment. Like, do you destroy the wow or don't you? And, you know, it has a follow up. He pulls you back into the room and like insists you do it and makes out like he's going to attack you. Then the wow defends you. And then you manage to leave the room without killing the wow. Mm. But I don't think anything actually happens if you do kill the wow. I think the outcome of the game doesn't change drastically mm. and this is true of all the other decisions you've made as well mm. so every time it's like do you want to kill them do you not want to kill them and you feel like you're making all these little decisions the whole way along that actually don't feel that little in the moment they feel quite weighty but you never get a sense of outcome or ramification it's more like the game just lets it sit with you yeah. for you to simmer on your choices and whether they were fair or not i thought that might be the case i thought that might be the case I wonder, though, because it's it's just trying to be thought-provoking, isn't it? So some of these little decisions in the game, you could miss them completely. So you might not even interact with the thing which you have a decision to make about. So it's almost like there's three paths in the sort of ignorance. And then mm. once you have found out about it one way or the other. And yeah, I guess it's just trying to be thought-provoking. And in that, it definitely succeeds. But it is always a shame when there isn't a, a narrative branch payoff isn't it? We're definitely used to that in video games, especially. Yeah. And sometimes I think we're accustomed to more regular payoffs as well. So one of mm. the other criticisms I had about the game was, you know, you can open every drawer, you can open every locker or cabinet, you can pick up stuff and move it around, but there's never a requirement. And I think in the entire game, I maybe only found three items in drawers or lockers, even though you can open every single one, 90% of them or more, far more, are empty. Uh, not even like doc are you including documents that you can look at no no i mean when you specifically open a cabinet yeah, or yeah. open a drawer or open a locker not i don't mean like when you see notes on a table or you see mm. photographs on a wall and that kind of stuff i mean like when you actually have gone out of your way to open mm. closed spaces yeah i think there are plenty of like photographs and notes and stuff in, in drawers and cabinets but it's debatable how much of a payoff that really is because often they don't really push the narrative. They don't give you much more flavour than you already had. Yeah, they're mostly scrollings that are incomprehensible. 
that yeah. look vaguely scientific. <laughs> but the one room, and I'm sure you did this as well, the one room where you do really pay attention is you find Catherine's bedroom. Go on, tell oh. her. You're really paying attention in Catherine's bedroom. What am no, I, I going to mean... find under her bed? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, there is her underwear there, but there's also loads of toys. <laughs> I and did you can... not notice this. Did you not? What kind of toys did you find? I, th- I think there's sort of a, a teddy bear type thing and a few other a few other toys as well but well anyway there seems to be a lot of unique items in Catherine's room which you can pick up and inspect and most of them when you do that she has something to say to you because at this point she's interacting with you on the intercom and looking at you through the the video cameras and she's a bit like stay out of my room but um, on the other hand when you pick up her stuff she tells you all about it so I thought that was quite nice classic Catherine a paradox (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> up until that point you're right you're a bit like oh, i can pick up so much stuff in this game but how much of it is actually interesting at that point you're like mm, i want to actually search around this room to see what's going on yeah and you find a lot of notes with her name on it don't you i remember at one point you find half a ripped photograph and it just says Catherine chan on one half or half a ripped bit of paper mm. or something And I remember thinking like, oh, why am I being drawn to the attention of this? And I began to think that all the scrawlings you were seeing everywhere were written in her hand and that like it was just further evidence. I was like fully leaning into the confirmation bias that I'd already decided she was the (laughs) villain. Everything was confirmation of that. But I I actually didn't get confirmation of that. So I think I'm probably wrong. Mm, Interesting. I mean, we've talked about Catherine a lot. But she is really such a big part of this game, isn't she? And the moments when you've plugged her into a little console and she's speaking to you versus the moments where she's just on the tool and doesn't have a voice, she's totally disembodied. I definitely felt more alone at the moments when Catherine wasn't plugged in and a lot more scared. And when I plugged Catherine in and she was chatting away to me on the intercom, I felt a lot more relaxed. Like I could sprint around like you said you were doing most of the time anyway. And I quite liked that flow throughout the game of going between little consoles. It felt like save points, even though the game saves all the time or safe zones. Yeah, I think you're right there. I agree with you. I also felt more comfortable when she was there, in part because you knew that you'd got you'd put the Omni tool down, which meant there couldn't be that much expectation on you within the game right Mm -hmm. like at the moment she's speaking to you it's because you've plugged the omni tool into a monitor so then when it says like oh okay she's chatting to you you start exploring you're thinking well i'm obviously not going to be escaping very far there's not gonna be that much threat because Mm. you know nothing too big can happen because she's got Mm. the omni tool (laughs) yeah i wonder to what extent that plays into it but maybe i'm being a cynic and actually you're right maybe it is to do with companionship but you're so much more trusting of the game than me you're trusting that you'll get an opportunity to get the Omni tool back. Because I always felt a bit of vulnerability as well. There's one point where you put it in and the power goes down and you have to go and put the power back on before resuming. This is your descent into the abyss, actually, it is. And at that point, I was like, no, I don't want to leave. I don't want to go away from the Omni tool. I don't want to climb the ladder in case we get separated. I was really worried about it. Yeah. The only time I've ever felt quite that engaged emotionally was with the last of us when Mm -hmm. you sometimes have to separate from ellie 
and she has to, for instance, climb into a room where you're thinking there might be zombies, and you're like, oh crap, because it's the kind of thing the game does do to you, and you're like, is she going to open the door, or is she going to get stuck, and then I won't be, you know, and by that yeah. point, the game's really welded you together yeah, yeah. in a really effective way. They're going to kill us! What other choice do we have? We jump! No, it's too high and you can't swim. I'll boost you up, you run past him. You keep me afloat! Ellie! No time to argue! Ellie! Damn it! I just want to get back to the horror stuff a tiny bit, because the monsters were one threat factor, but they're not the only threat factor because the horror is also the whole premise in some ways. And there's one moment where this is really highlighted. Did you encounter Sarah Lindwall, who's defending the Ark? No. So Sarah Lindwall is the last surviving real human. Ah, <laughs> no way, there is a real human, amazing. Yeah, and she's just sat there, plugged into this like drip. And she looks like the frailest human you ever saw. She's like withered, pallid, her skin's falling off kind of thing. The drip is looks gnarly as well. And she says, you know, I've been defending the Ark, like looking after it. Why should I give it to you? It, and it is important to say this, your character voices all this stuff. It's not like it's an mm. RPG where you get to choose options. Like your mm. character just says whatever they're going to say. And you're kind of an observer watching. And so your character makes the case for why she should give you the arc. And she's like, well, to be honest, I'm out. I'm done. I've been here by myself this whole time. It's not like I can w afford to wait for some other young person to come along and mm. uh, who I trust more than you. So give it your best shot. I'll leave it with you. Mm. But she's like, can I ask one thing? Can you kill me? Because I'm just fed up like i just can't carry on like this mm. and so basically the game is asking you to euthanize someone who you know because it's told you is the last surviving human mm. so you do well i did it's mm. one of those moments where i thought about doing what you said before and being like eh, good Straight luck for the exit <laughs> see you later um but then i was like actually i'm kind of curious what happens if you do kill her initially i just kept talking to her to see if because you can keep talking to them and keep talking to them and at a certain point they stop giving you different answers. But I wondered if I kept talking to her, then she might change her mind and be mm. like, okay, actually you've convinced me it's worth trying to stay alive or something like that. She doesn't. She's like, unplug me. Simon, I want to die. So you do. And then she asks you to stay with her while she dies. Would you stay with me, please? It won't be long now, just... Please just stay. And we already talked about how at various points in the game, it feels like you're just statically there while some information unfolds and it's a bit dull. I mean, this was horrifying. I felt the most uncomfortable I felt in the entire game because mm. you're just sat there and she's like almost delirious. Turns out she's not even 30. At least I won't have to turn 30. Hooray. She's like basically just sort of reliving highlights and she's like talks about the clouds and stuff and she's getting weaker and she's like are you still there and you're like yeah simon you're still there i'm here sir don't let him die okay send them out there to the stars 
and she's just like dying and the whole scene takes i reckon in real time a good three to five minutes of you just mm. sat next to her while she dies and it was that was pretty brutal i've got to say that was that was quite an emotive scene for me do you have the choice to walk away at that point oh yeah i think you really? can walk away i mean to be fair i didn't try but i think you can walk away at any point like she says as a favor you know can you do me a favor can you stay with mm. me i don't want to die alone I mean, pretty heavy, like, yeah, a, a is... game asking you to euthanize. I wondered, like, if you're super religious, like, what decision would you have made in that moment? Yeah, that does sound pretty affecting. Like, I definitely respect the game for this. Just having the choice to walk away in those important moments. Um, maybe it doesn't do it that much, but kind of what I was saying about generally the choices throughout the game to either interact with it or not, I really like it when you have that freedom within a game. So even if there isn't a narrative payoff, or a branching narrative payoff for either euthanizing her or not, you still get the opportunity to experience that moment mm. and to either walk away from it or not, which I think is really cool. It is cool and it's necessary because the rest of the game is kind of on rails, isn't it? Like you mm. have to proceed into this room, you have to proceed into this exit, blah, blah, blah. So without that, it really would just be kind of full-blown walking simulator. Yeah, <laughs> very, very atmospheric unchilled out walking simulator in the same way as the game asks you to answer surveys throughout did you encounter those surveys yeah yeah i was going to mention that because there's one survey especially where it tells you the percentage of each answer that the crew have answered so it's the one where you strongly agree agree disagree strongly disagree for each question i wondered whether that was user percentages or not because it did feel like well basically the ones i had answered that i thought other people would answer that were the highest percentage and the same for the ones where I thought would be less popular. Oh, that's interesting. So you're wondering if it was player population that was being... Yeah. There's no indication that it is at all, but it would just be quite cool if it was. Yeah. Well, because none of the other surveys, again, like you get given the same survey at the end of the game, actually, in a post credit scene as you do right at the beginning. Ah. And on neither occasion is there any kind of payoff. You just finish the survey and it says thanks for the survey and i was like what Whoa. you're not even gonna t especially because it's the exact same survey and my answers had differed huh. but maybe that was the point maybe that was the point that like i realized having played it that actually my gut reactions to that survey at the beginning were no longer the same as my reactions later in the game mm, interesting. i've changed as a human playing it I really want to know what happens now. What happens to Catherine? What happens to you at the, right at the end of the game after you leave the WoW alone? You manage to get to the spaceship. You manage to get the Ark into the launcher. Mm. You sit in the pilot chair to launch it. And she's like, okay, well, when you sit in the pilot chair, that is when we're going to upload your consciousness to the Ark. Because obviously the premise of you doing all this is that you want to be on the arc, like you're trying to escape. So yeah, you upload, you sit in the chair. There's a very tense moment where she uploads first and you can see and there's like a timer. It's like 10, 9, 8. And hers is like uploading really slowly, but hers completes. And your character's getting panicky and he's like, what, what, why is it taking so long? And yours is going really slowly. And you think, oh, she's fucked you. She's just gonna go in there herself and you're left behind. But actually at the last minute, it makes it in time. And your character's like, yes, yes, yes. 
And then that's it. He's still just sat in the chair. And he's like, what's going on? What's happened? And she's like, what do you mean? We've been uploaded. We're on the app now. And he's uh, like, yeah. but we're not on the ark. We're here. And she's like, how stupid are you? Like, I've told you this loads of times. <laughs> it copies. Simon, I can't keep telling you how it works. You won't listen. You know why we're here. You were copied onto the ark. You just didn't carry over. You lost the coin toss. We both did. This time you're carrying on as this one and you're not on the ark. Instead, mm. we're here. But don't worry, our other selves are on the ark. They're doing great. And he's like, what? You lied, you lied. And he's really angry. What? This is bullshit. We came all this way. We launched the Ark. I know it sucks, but our copies are up there. Catherine and Simon are both safe on the Ark. Be happy for them. Are you crazy? We're gonna die down here with those fuckers living at large on a spaceship. They're not us. They're not us. And she ends up disconnecting and leaving him by himself. And he's like, wait, don't leave me alone. Don't leave me alone. And then it ends. And then there's a post-credit scene where you see them on the arc as well. And it's all like kind of how you imagine it, like running water, lots of jungle room type stuff. And she's there and you're like, Catherine? Well, that's a pretty good ending, to be fair. I like that ending. Were you satisfied with that ending? Kind of, but like I said right at the beginning, is that it plays it like it's a reveal. It plays it like you're meant to be as outraged as Simon and he's voicing Mm. all of that. But in fact, I was like, well, yeah, she's right. She did tell you that. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's an exceptional piece of willful ignorance on Simon's part for sure. Because, well, yeah, like we said, throughout the game, it's clearly obvious that the thing that happens is your consciousness is copied. It's not transferred. It's already happened to you once, Simon. Mm. How many times do you need to learn it? Because there's one thing which we should mention is that that idea that there can be two of you is key to one of the events which happens as they're building the arc, which is that as people's consciousnesses are uploaded or, or scanned, they want to kill themselves because they only want one version of them to exist. And it becomes a sort of pseudo-religious thing, which ends up... They halt the research. Yeah, end up sabotaging Catherine's research because so many of her, the people that she's scanning, end up killing themselves afterwards. And even throughout the records, she's exactly the same as she is to Simon. She's like, how stupid are these people? Like, it's a copy. Like, (laughs) get over it, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I'm really glad you said that because... Now I feel like the idiot. But that really crystallises that whole sequence because I obviously saw and read all about them just killing themselves. Mm. I didn't fully grasp that the rationale for that was because they wanted to be the other version of Mm. themselves. I was like kind of a little bit confused why they were killing themselves. But now you've said it. Yeah. Maybe I'm not being idiotic. Maybe it's that I was... Because I just understood it straight away. I was like, why would they kill themselves? <laughs> yeah, they call it the continuity, don't they? I don't know. There's a load of documents around the place which, which indicate that's what they're doing. Mm. There's one more scene, one more scene which I really wanted to mention. And that was when you're interrogating someone's consciousness. Oh, yeah. You've got them on file. You need an access code that only they know. The only way to get it is to interrogate their consciousness on the computer. And the way that you do it is sort of boot them up in a virtual environment. And then Catherine asks them questions, but they're not having any of it at all. They wake up and they wake up as you would expect Simon to have done when you start the game. They're like, where am I? What's going on? This isn't the real world. You're a liar. Why have you done this to me? 
And so many times, or at least I did anyway, because it took me a while to find the right combination of things that you need. You boot them up and like hear them just not give you the access code. So yeah, how did you find that scene? Yeah, I mean, it was cool. At a risk of sounding like a broken record, it was another scene where I was very suspicious of Catherine Chan because she reveals herself in that scene to be mm. willing to basically just activate a guy's consciousness. Like literally, he's just the equivalent of dead, I guess. Like yeah. he isn't loaded up. He isn't booted up. He doesn't exist. And then she just boots him up purely for her own means her own use mm. and then when it doesn't work she just terminates him and she's like all right let's change some stuff and we'll try again she just keeps freebooting the poor guy he's every scene he's getting stressed the fuck out like the program keeps getting terminated because he's so stressed mm. and i thought that is that is really morally reprehensible yeah and and the way you finally manage to get the access code off him is is really fiendish you go and find some info on his his girlfriend and you boot up as a version of her and trick him into believing that you're her and that you're just feeling a bit ill after you've after you've had the scan kind of thing. Yeah, you don't do that. Catherine does that. Catherine impersonates him. Yeah. She is definitely dodgy. And she really shows her, her lack of empathy in this scene as well, I think, because she's just so unpersuasive to this guy. At various points throughout the interrogation, she just says things like, just believe me, give me the access code. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Just give me the access code. It's like, that's not going to work. Like, you know, it's not. She's just exasperated because she can't relate to this person's. Well, yeah, it's exactly that. She can't relate to this person's horror that they're a disembodied consciousness because she's just chill with being a disembodied consciousness herself. Yeah, she actually says when you find her body and you tell her what happened when she died, she actually says, oh, don't worry, it's better this way. Mm, wow. Yeah. Wow. So interesting. She is a lunatic. <laughs> it's weird because I thought it posited so many questions and prompted so many interesting ideas mm. that in some ways my idea for this podcast had been less a discussion of mechanics. Actually, it's kind of happened organically, but it had been less a discussion of mechanics and more a discussion of the philosophy of it. And some of the ideas, like the human black boxes, I really wanted to talk about more because I thought... That is a fascinating concept. Mm. Like we have it a little bit maybe with cars where there's like an insurance company wants to monitor your driving and in exchange for a lower insurance premium or whatever. Mm. But it's not quite the same. Like imagine you actually had like a watch that was constantly recording, constantly, but only ever for 30 seconds. Not only ever for 30 seconds, but only ever saving 30 seconds. And it constantly mm. just rewrote over that, over that, over that. And it's plugged into like your pulse or something. So when your heartbeat stops... The watch stops recording and there's a capture of the last 30 seconds of your life. Would that be okay? Would that be like a cool bit of technology that would like solve crimes and shit? Or would that be fucking weird? Hmm. I'm not sure I arrived at an answer because I haven't thought about it long enough. But I mean, interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd probably come down on the side of cool bit of technology, which would help solve crimes. Yeah, I'd probably <laughs> do the opposite, but maybe that's just my oppositional defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I wonder how it could go wrong. But yeah, so many questions that posed posed like that. The question that I wanted to end on was, would you happily upload your consciousness? Like, would you have the scan done knowing that it could mean that there's another you? Yeah, I was thinking about this the whole way through. I didn't really arrive at a solid conclusion mm. because on the one hand, by and large, as a rule of thumb, no. 
But the context in which they're doing it is pretty exceptional. A comet's mm. wiped out the entirety of the surface of the planet. There's the last surviving humans trying to basically come up with a way to continue their entire species. And this is the way they've, what they've come up with. Mm. In that circumstance, would I? Well, I think I'm a lot more likely to, yeah. Because what are you sticking around for? It's like this creepy base that an AI is consuming. So I don't know. Maybe it's a loaded question when it's framed like that. Mm. And if it's framed differently, then it's really just closer to the original experience tank, isn't it? Yeah. Experience machine. I suppose so, yeah. What about you? Uh, Yeah, I think I'd have no problem with it. Basically because... I kind of think about consciousness and being as not so much the patterns and memories that exist in my brain, but the experience of being alive. And so at that point, there is just two Teos or three Teos or four Teos. And each one's independent, has an independent experience and is valuable in its own way. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with it inherently. Yes, I may dream a million dreams, but how can they come true if there will never ever be? Another I think there is a missing ingredient though, right? Which is that we're assuming that when you upload yourself, no one's going to interfere with the upload. Yeah. No one's going to be able to turn it on, turn it off at will which is not the case in the game because you're doing that constantly. Like we just discussed that scene with the poor bloke that you're torturing mm. and also with Catherine. Like she's doing it willingly, but you're just disconnecting her, replugging her in somewhere else to disconnect mm. her. And there's this idea that you're not in control. There is no autonomy at that point. Yeah, so that that's right. That's definitely true as well. You could say that as a... Well, and, and it, that says that in the game, right? With the fact that Simon has more kind of physical agency than, than Catherine, but... I don't know, it's, it's just a different set of limitations, isn't it? Like, I have a set of limitations on my physical being, which I'm happy to accept, and so too with the digital me have a set of limitations which they're probably happy to, ex- to accept as well in order to continue to exist. Right. This isn't you. Grace's not here anymore. He's in a better place, in his mind, where he wants to be. I've taken over now. A fake world is a lot less painful than a real one. All I needed was for his mind to break, and he broke it. No. Goodbye. Interesting. Very open-minded of you, Teo. <laughs> Literally open-minded, mm, actually. Can't yeah. think of it. Alright, cool. Well, I think we could go on and on, because these philosophical questions often do. Yes. Should we talk about what our next game's going to be? Yeah, why don't yeah, you tell us what our next game is going to be, because I usually don't, don't I? Oh, look at this, this open-minded spirit. It's just <laughs> contagious. We are going to be playing Weird West. Mm. Yes, we are. I guess the first Western game we've played since Desperados 3. Indeed, which we were big fans of. Yeah. i got to say, I'm a big fan of the Western genre in general. Loved Gun, loved 
both the Red Dead Redemptions, Red Dead Revolver. Why are you putting a funny face? I mean, you basically just listed off all the Western games that I know exist. <laughs> like, what the, <laughs> are there any other ones? Yeah, there's loads of Western games. Is there loads? Yeah. Not as many as there are bloody space games. All right, here we go. This is the list of Western games. You got Red Dead Redemption 2, Red Dead Redemption 1, Call of Juarez, Gunslinger, Red Dead Revolver, Outlaws, Desperados 3, West of Loading, Hard West, Fallout New Vegas, Canada Western Game, Gun, That's exactly the kind of game that I love to talk about. It makes you think about so many things, doesn't it? And it's really experiential in a way that a sci-fi book or something wouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, agreed. But it's interesting because it's exactly the kind of game I love to talk about, but I can't say I actually loved playing it. Mm, yeah, interesting. I definitely enjoyed it more than Observer, though. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. That was just way too sordid. 